Welcome to the Neoborn and Andy a Human Show. So welcome, 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 dear Shelby Lance, who is not a miss, but a, it's a missus now, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> yes, as of as of June of this year. Oh my God, that's amazing, and it's so yeah. rare. Yeah, I'm really grateful that uh, I've got someone super supportive of both my music and my personal endeavors. I'm super blessed. Okay, I mean, it's I'm. I'm I don't want to be so nosy here, but I'm pretty much interested. I mean, you are in, in, in a quarter life <laughs> and you are doing it in America, which is declining in marital relationships and people oh, are giving you're up. you're talking about just marriage as a whole declining. Yeah. So how, how, I mean, where is it coming from? I mean, you should look around. All the social media is an naysayer. You, you should live alone. I mean, you are getting married. Um, Come on. And with a human. <laughs> um, I'm very spiritual. I have a Christian oh. background. So I oh, always I knew see. that like getting married to someone and having a family was something I wanted to do at some point. So I'm happy because, you know, you get to build a life with someone and, What's the meaning of, you know, chasing success if you don't have someone to share it with? That's kind of how I look at it. You will be shocked. Just before uh, we watched here the first part, uh, the Cheaper by the Dozen, if you remember. Yeah. And this was I exactly that. about that. <laughs> What's mm -hmm. the point? I loved that movie growing up. You know, it was the first time for me. Okay, but you liked it? Yes, I didn't like when they got into fight, but I, I loved the dynamics in the beginning and the little rascals all around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good. I don't want 12 kids. That's way too many for me. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, it's on you. So you decide, <laughs> not your partner. Yeah, no, honestly, yeah, you got to carry them and mm -mm. <laughs> that's well, a lot. No, kids are, kids are great. I mean, obviously, they have, uh, <laughs> they have phases. But we were all a kid at some point, so I feel like uh, I'll be able to handle their phases, hopefully. Exactly. Uh, I don't want to spoil about your numbers, but uh, how come that you are not going through the quarter life uh, crisis now? <laughs> um, well, I mean, I did, I did feel like I hit it last year when I turned 25, just because um, from year I, I turned 23 a week into like the international COVID lockdowns in 2020. Um, oh, so yeah. yeah. And then I spent my 24th birthday also in lockdown. And then my 25th birthday was like the first one outside of that. So it definitely was a little bit weird. Um, and you know, even though I, I know everyone says you're young, you've got all this time, but it does hit you when all of a sudden, like, I still remember being five. I still remember being 10. I still remember being a teenager. And now all of a sudden I'm a 26 year old. So it, it, I do have moments like that, but at the same time, I'm just grateful I'm here and alive and, you know, aging's a blessing. I'd rather have it go up than stop, you know, but I'm not perfect. There are days where <laughs> I, I panic a bit. I'm like, Ooh, I want to do more. Um, but then I think looking back on like the little baby steps that, I've taken throughout the years helps me to be a bit grounded when things get crazy. Most most of the youth these days, I don't want to sound so oldish now, but uh, they, they <laughs> usually spend the, the, the late teenagehood and up until like late 20s with basically nothing. They are not building careers, not that it's important at all in life, but they are just uh, wasting themselves and many other things, probably proper relationships. Anyone who is reading about you and your journey can see that you did not waste your time at all in that time period. And I'm not sure it is because of your religious background, which gives you a purpose and a real meaning in life mm -hmm. instead of the vanities and falsities. Or is it because... Uh, you had a wake-up call what uh, was handled much braver than most people would have handled. Oh, it's a combination of things. Um, yeah, I, I grew up, I guess that you'd consider me Christian growing up, but I didn't grow up like going to church or anything. I think I went a few times, but it was nothing consistent. Um, what really flipped the 
switch for me was, oh man, this is kind of uh, off topic, but it all relates to where I'm at now. Um, so growing up, I had a very, my parents divorced when I was five, um, both remarried, but they divorced when I was five. So I'm grateful that now I have like step half and biological siblings that I wouldn't have had they not gotten divorced. But nonetheless, um, they got divorced and I did 50-50 custody. So at my dad's house, unfortunately, he was in a really tumultuous relationship with his uh, wife, my stepmom. And we had lots of issues in the home. I had lots of childhood trauma, like the police officers were at my house. Um, and I was having child protective services come and pull me out of my classes at school because of all the calls that they were getting. And so I was very, uh, I had a good example of what I didn't want to have go on in my life. Mm. So that pushed me to do positive things because I knew if I didn't have like a healthy outlet that I could probably fall into like drug use and being promiscuous and like, you know, <laughs> I don't know, I could have been pregnant as a teenager, those types of things, just because you're trying to rebel against what's going on at the home. Um, so I used music as an outlet. And then after I graduated high school, I was like, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to go to Nashville, Tennessee, which um, is one of the biggest music uh, places in the United States. I did find out Austin, Texas is actually like the biggest, which is kind of surprising. <laughs> but Nashville is obviously a very historically like musically town. Um, so I moved there and I was there for two years at a music school. I met a lot of my lifelong friends, I was writing and I was recording. But when I say recording, um, the EPs are still out there. They're not good quality. But at that point, I was a broke college kid and I was basically like working with other college kids who needed experience in the studio as producers and I needed experience in the studio as an artist. So we went in for, you know, cheap, just experience. Um, so now I, I still go back to record with one of my lifelong friends from Nashville and they're a lot higher quality, but, um, it's a journey. It's about the growth. So two years into being in Nashville, I found out that a lot of the reason behind my dad's poor behavior growing up was because, um, I don't know if you're familiar, most people aren't, but have you ever heard of Huntington's disease? Yes. Okay, so do you, how familiar are you with like what it entails? Well, I educated myself uh, in the last couple of weeks uh, preparing for this interview. Oh, I didn't know I told you that beforehand. Yeah, so I read about you. So, and um, <laughs> I read about, <laughs> well, actually, I also tweeted about your nonprofit, to, you know, for the other musician to support oh, it. Yeah. Okay, so. then you know. Gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so, so, yeah. Yeah. so, it, uh, so you are saying that uh, it was not a decision to go down in a dark path uh, for your father, but it was a medical situation what was uh, recognized way too late. Yeah, just because of the fact that um, basically your brain cells eventually start decaying because it's like ALS, Alzheimer's, and Parkinson's. So, um he did a lot of that bad behavior just because he couldn't control those types of outbursts. And unfortunately my grandpa has it. My little sister was diagnosed with it, the juvenile form when she was 11. And unfortunately she lost her battle in 2020 when she turned 14, um, which is super rare. Most people, if they get diagnosed, they don't get it until their midlife. But she unfortunately was not one of those people. Um, and then I tested positive for it. So you don't know like when you're going to get it, how severe it's going to be. Um, there's no cure. So I found out because I have really bad OCD. So if I don't find something out, I will just sit and think over and over about like worst case scenarios. What would I do? So for me, it was like, I'm just going to rip the bandaid off and find out. Um, but that was definitely like one of my lowest years of my entire life. Um, so my mom asked me, like begged me to move home. Um, to have some stable mental health support from my family and friends who were back home. So I moved back home and, you know, music throughout all the lows and highs in my life has always been an outlet, whether it's consuming it or writing it, um, playing it. And so I just continued to do that. And I got a hold of my producer who I met at Belmont, my music school. 
And I told him back in 2021 that I had songs that I wanted to release and I wanted to come back to Nashville to record. So we got together and actually the first song I recorded was something that I wrote after I lost my sister. And it was the first song that I had recorded since releasing music in 2016 before I, or 2017, 2017 before I left yeah, That was the Unbroken album, yeah? Actually, that was the last one I recorded before I left Nashville. And then I just had one song that came out in 2021 and it was called Need You. Um, and it was a it was a Christian song. It was actually originally the concept was about um, a failing relationship and just like, you know, with another human. And then I decided to turn it into a spiritual song, you know, saying, God, I need you. Like, here's so many lows. And I've started to realize that, like, without faith, life is mm -hmm. meaningless and I'm going to just be not a whole person until I find faith in the right way. So I released that song. And I didn't really care. I mean, yes, as an artist, you care about the numbers and stuff. But for, for the most part, I just wanted it as like an outlet. But it got a lot of really warm reception. Um, people were sharing it. And then I actually got baptized that same year. And so I had a local production company. They, they I went to high school with the couple, like one of them went to my high school. So I knew her. Um, so her husband and her came and recorded my baptism and then made it a music video. So they took my song, Need You, mm -hmm. that I had recorded at the beginning of 2021. And then in the fall of 2021, they made a music video out of it. Um, so that was a really beautiful moment for me. Yeah. 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 And that's helped me balance a lot of you know, the downs. You know, you, you, you keep saying and sharing your story, which I truly appreciate that you are so open about these things and it seems or feels that you might not be over uh, with everything but you are digesting the things right and you are working on them and yourself and i find it exemplary because the cheap ways are always there the cheap you know the the, the, mm -hmm. the pass where you find no more purpose because you give up i think this is the whole point that you have a story which kind of resembles the the story of job that everything is for no reason is seemingly taken away mm -hmm. and there's no hope but then at the very end it's like polishing yourself down what is your true core your reality and when you find that it is, sh is shining despite everything then you get back more and more better and better what you ever had before mm -hmm. oh absolutely yeah and actually like you mentioned with my nonprofit that's also been very helpful to just keep my head on my shoulders as far as um you know knowing that i have the disease and that at some point it will manifest um so or, or every not. time or I, maybe there will be a cure who knows i mean you will be oh that's right oh my god i hope and pray for that every day um but it also has not only given me a perspective on life and the blessings but it holds me accountable a bit more because I try, I mean, of course, don't get me wrong. I love my junk food. I love ice cream, like stuff like that. But I try to incorporate more healthy foods. I exercise, um, you know, three to five days a week. I try to write and I actually play a lot. <laughs> I play oh, like three, you are playing like twice right a week, every week. Like, yeah, I'm playing. It's now up to like three to four days a week. Um, so my goal is to eventually, hopefully sooner rather than later, do the gigs full time. Um, just because they're getting to the point where they're that consistent. Um, but oh. they help me a lot. What like, songs I, do I get you to play, play there? What songs? Because <laughs> I wrote this question. Um, okay, so you, I, I've I heard like 20 songs roughly uh, from you. And I'm, mm. I have a question here. Why this song? Wait, what is the title of that? I, wait, wait, wait. I wrote it here somewhere. Uh, is there a song like Forevermore or Evermore? Oh, yeah, Forevermore. Oh. So why is it not on the new album? Okay, so actually, Forevermore, I wrote, so the album, I guess I'll backtrack and get back to Forevermore. The album were all songs that I wrote between 13 and 19, which is why I called it Teenage Diary. Yes, I so wanted to I have went, this one too. Yeah, <laughs> yep. So it was very therapeutic to go into the studio and record songs that I wrote on my bedroom floor and had like dreamed of recording and playing live. Um, and then after we finalized the album in fall of 2022, I recorded my last couple of songs 
And then I immediately put it into my distribution service that I pay to upload all my stuff. Oh, I see. And it was in it was in the queue. Um, but Forevermore technically didn't fit because of two things. One, I wrote it this past year, so it didn't fit the teenage thing. And then second, I wrote it in March because my uh, – oh, my God, I almost said my fiancé. My husband and I – I'm still getting used to that. Um, my husband and I had gotten engaged um, when I was in Nashville on my birthday. And um, we kind of planned it just because I knew we had a ring. Okay, who, who asked who? Who asked who? <laughs> oh, he asked me. Oh, oh really? That traditional that. 20th century? Oh, my oh, God. Oh, yeah. No, I want <laughs> – I mean – Don't get me wrong. I'm super strong and I do a lot of stuff for myself. But when it comes to that, I'm like super girly. I'm like, no, I want you to ask me. Um, yeah. So he did it the day after my birthday. We were in Nashville um, on like a little vacation. And also because I was re-recording a song that's going to come out later um, called Champion. And yes. didn't make Teenage Diary. But Uh, it's one of my favorite songs. And so while I was there, I told my producer, I said, hey, I've, I've always had this idea in mind that when I get married, I want to write a song to be my first dance. And so I wrote a song days before we left for Nashville. And he had no idea. I told him I was going to record one song in the studio, but I ended up sneaking in two. Um, so we wrote it, or I wrote it and recorded it. And then I saved it until our wedding day. And then I released it. Um, so that one kind of like slithered in before the album uh, in between some singles. But that one was really special. I'm really proud of that. Well, it is a good story. It is something to, to, to tell the children, who I hope you will have yeah. one time. And it's uh, it's it's amazing. And uh, yeah, good on your husband. Absolutely. Okay, I have a few questions about your songs. I mean, we, we are, if, yeah. you mentioned them. So... And I can't write. I can't read my handwriting, of course. So, um, oh, of, co of, co <laughs> of course, anybody who, who listens to your more mainstream songs, uh, the first mm -hmm. thing what comes to anyone's mind is Every Levine, the original Every Levine, not the new one, but the original one. And I think it's a good <laughs> thing. Oh, that's what you get when you listen? I love Avril Lavigne. The song, uh, the, the first song is The Outside, yeah? The Outside is a powerful Avril mm -hmm. Lavigne. This is my note. And of course, the the the, the doing fine is absolutely... Uh, so it's and, and it's not bad. It's not like that you're copying. It's you, but it's that that she, she invented a territory and you are yeah. occupying oh, yeah. that space. And it's a little bit rebellious. And this is I'm creating my new word here. And yes, this, I, I think it is not bad. Um, so I ha put a star next to mirror mirror because that is my favorite on the album, to be honest. Aww. Thank you. I know it's it's a little bit different, not as fast and so on, but maybe it is because I'm more mm -hmm. sentimental. So, <laughs> but um, I wanted to ask about Peyton's song. Yeah. Okay. So, is it public to whom you uh, you wrote it, or because it's? So I'm actually glad you asked, because obviously. I can't really pick a favorite song because I wrote every song about like a different emotion, a different moment. So they all bring me different, you know, types of joy and sadness all in one. Um, but Peyton's song. So there was a TV show that was super, I don't know how it did internationally, but really big in the United States from 2003 until I think it ended in like 2010 or 11. It was called One Tree Hill. Yeah, it starts out. So basically, the premise of it is they all go. It's in North Carolina in a made-up city. It was filmed in Wilmington, but they call it Tree Hill in the show. And they all start off, you know, in high school, and it's a small town, and it's about these high school friends, and then they end up going and you know adulting, and they all leave and go to different states, and eventually they you know keep in touch, reconnect. Of course, there's love and heartbreak and trauma, and you know. There's, there's a lot that they put in this show, but it makes you feel good because I feel like nowadays, and I, I think part of, part of the reason to blame is streaming because everyone feels, these companies feel like they constantly have to just like put out stuff nonstop. Oh, But yeah. back then, there was just so much depth and quality and character development. So I started watching One Tree Hill far beyond when it ended just because 
it started when I was six. So I wasn't obviously like the key demographic at that point. But Netflix had released it um, when I moved to Belmont in Nashville. And my little sister was actually watching it. And I was like, this show's really good. What's it called? And so I started watching it from the beginning because she's she was in like three season three. But Peyton is a really complex character. She's really like emo and just like <laughs> um, angry in the first season oh, because see. she's been hurt a lot. Um, her mom died. Her dad is constantly not home because he's traveling for work. And everyone that she loves basically ends up leaving, whether it's, you know, like her dad going to work or her mom dying. And throughout the show, she keeps saying, like, people always leave and Peyton pushes them away. Like, yeah, that's, the, that's the other title of the song, that people always leave. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm so a little bit worried. I, oh, my God, what happened to you that you write a song like that? Well... That's that's one of the beautiful things is, I mean, now reflecting on it, I wrote that song after I had been diagnosed and when my little sister was in the hospital. Mm. I was still in Nashville and my boyfriend of four years at the time and I had just broke up after I found out all this stuff. Or no, it was right before I got diagnosed, but I was waiting for my test results. So I was in a really low place. So I was still watching One Tree Hill and I was like, I feel like Peyton, like I can totally relate to her. So I wrote this song both based off of like her character in the show, but also the emotions and mm. real life experiences that I had. So it was kind of beautiful that like, I was able to relate so much to a character on screen. So it's Peyton's song, but it's also Shelby's song. It's, it's amazing. I love this story. Thank you. You could somehow m manifest your true self despite every clouds and storms or the worst when you yeah. have the bad movies ahead of you and you don't have anything and you're falling okay next question liar liar that's a heavy song yeah were you mad at a boyfriend <laughs> um i was mad at life <laughs> that was a, so this was prior to i mean and even though i had some kind of reasoning behind my childhood trauma to an extent once i found out my dad was sick it still doesn't erase like the trauma that you go through oh, you know yeah. so at the time i didn't know which i don't know if it would have made it any easier but he and my stepmom was an alcoholic and so she had her own issues so they were constantly fighting and then we'd get in the middle of it and um so between that and like i felt like i was being um gaslit a lot of the time to like oh that didn't actually happen like oh. you're you're wrong and then and then also in my like teenage and granted teenage love is like it's interesting some of these <laughs> weren't as serious as i thought they were in the moment as like a 15 year old person who wrote this song but i was just really angry i was like i got all these guys who are just like toying with my heart and telling me that i love me and then they break up with me and then at home you know when i was at my dad's house i was like life isn't great either i'm also being told that like i'm this that and the other thing and so i was like everyone's a liar in my life and <laughs> i mean my mom was a really good example <laughs> but um so actually part of the inspiration of it was back then there was a country song that was charting and it was really high and it was called i pray for you and this guy was kind of like a one-hit wonder but basically the premise of the song was he goes to church and the pastor tells him you can't you know do bad things to people like you need to pray for them and you know so he takes that to heart but instead of praying for them to you know be a better person he's like I pray your brakes go out running down a hill. I pray your flower pot falls from a windowsill and knocks you in the head. Like all these terrible things. And he's like, I'm not going to do it. But like, I pray it happens to you. <laughs> and so I was like, okay. So I kind of took some inspiration from that a bit too. Um, but yeah, that was a really, you know, I don't know. It's some, I love singing it still because I think we've all been through situations. Well, that's a surprisingly where... strong song. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's for sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Have you ever tried life on the outside? Like I'm living now. It wouldn't have been so bad if you had only said we were done. 
I would say it's very simple to understand, I guess. It's good open and there. It is very good. Done with it. So uh, for me, done with it is like a feel good arena song. Oh, arena. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I mean, both are good. That's a good compliment. Yeah, um, done with it is a typical, yeah. t- typical, typical rock song for a big stadium. That's for sure. Okay. Actually, it's funny because with this song, the first time I ever played it. Now, this isn't a big arena, but it was uh, my eighth grade year of middle school. So I was 14 at the time. And uh, there was this guy who I had like this, I don't even know what you call it, middle school, <laughs> middle school relationship drama and love. And oh, it's always you call love. It it's always school. love. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he had, you know, typical love to hate relationship type thing and i had been taylor swift was really taking off at this point in time um i think it was like i don't know 2009 and she was actually my inspiration to teach myself guitar because i heard her in an interview say at 13 she picked up a guitar and decided to teach herself and so i was like oh i just turned 13 i want to i'm going to teach myself guitar so my nana went and bought me a super beat up pawn shop guitar and the whole premise was if you can teach yourself and like prove that you're really committed then we'll upgrade your guitar so i did i played all the time like literally until i built up calluses and my fingers would bleed oh yeah that's the way that's the way that's the way (laughs) uh, uh uh-huh yep yeah the guitar strings were actually super high up for mm. the guitar like they should have been a lot closer to the actual fret oh <laughs> i can so much relate to that one my first two yeah. guitars exactly and then you, when you wa- watch these famous stars and th- th- that is the close you know and you just see that oh my god yeah if i had that guitar i could do that one too <laughs> yeah it was a good way to learn though because it literally forced me to actually give it my all because otherwise I wasn't going to get them to cooperate. <laughs> um, but she was she was taking off, and I loved her. I still love her. Um, but so I had friends in middle school who were like, I dare you to write a song and, like, call him out at the talent show. Because I did the talent. The first year I realized that, like, I actually had a gift was my sixth grade year I got into the talent show. And my mom even told oh. me, because my mom is very supportive, but she's also very blunt. Like she doesn't sugarcoat stuff with me, which I actually appreciate because if she compliments me, I know that she's not like bullshitting me. Um, So when I told her I was auditioning for the talent show, she's like, well, what are you gonna do? Like you have to have a talent. (laughs) I was like, I think I'm gonna sing. not the most encouraging thing to say. (laughs) She she just laughed though, we laughed about it. And I was like, no, I'm gonna sing. And she wasn't able to go because she was a teacher um and so she was still in school but my stepdad went and recorded it and he's crying by the end of it and i got a standing ovation and um you could hear people like when i started singing they were shushing the other middle schoolers because they wanted to hear what i, I sang the climb by miley cyrus which is super beautiful yeah um, and it's quite so anyway, difficult to sing yeah <laughs> yeah I it's a big the climb message, there <laughs> yes yeah and so I started doing the talent show every year. And so my eighth grade year, everyone was, I had a few people who were like, yeah, write a song and call them out like Taylor Swift style. And I was like, all right, bet. Like, so I went home and I wrote done with it. And I still have video footage. I laugh at it now, like looking back, what, 13, 14 year, years later. And um, I said, this song goes out to a special person out there. And you hear the whole audience go, ah, and I'm like, you know who you are and they think it's gonna be like this love song and then i started singing done with it which is like literally what is it, the title is like you're done you're tired of the bs like you're moving on um so that was a really uh funny moment to look back on but i got a great song out of it so it's amazing you are such a young person and still you've been doing this business for more than almost two decades so <laughs> yeah it's kind of crazy to think about well, and that's why a lot, I mean, granted, it's a little bit different with TikTok now, for better or for worse, but more often than not, people will be like, oh, this person came up overnight. But what most people don't no. see is like the behind the scenes stuff like this. Like I've been playing at bars and clubs and stuff for 12 years now. And, you know, it's very so. interesting. That it hasn't hardened you up because playing in bars, especially the same ones or, you know, the same cycles and 
you have to sing the songs that other people like and you already know that those are a different stories what people might not be aware yeah. of and, um, and sometimes people are a little bit too drunk to understand that you try to do some magic so yeah that was my one of my questions to be honest that uh, what songs are you singing because mostly when people have these kind of gigs they have to sing not only their songs but like okay so you have three hours to sing yeah. half a break four more hours to sing and then come on who can do that yeah oh yeah i typically it's it's common where i'm at to play three hours so there's no way i'm singing three hours of original music so i'll typically do some originals um you know mixed in and i'll announce them and talk about them some places are not really like like you just said, aren't the atmosphere to kind of talk about your song um, before you play it. But I'm actually fortunate that a lot of places I played at, even this weekend, I had, it's, you know, hit or miss. Sometimes you play and it clicks, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. But this weekend I had two really amazing performances at just like local bars. And um, I had two tables that stayed the entire night on Friday and they came up and talked to me afterwards and they went up to the owner and they were like, she was amazing. We stayed the whole time for her. And they listened because it was just an intimate venue. Um, it was an it was a very intimate place. And then the one I played on Sunday, um, I, I play there about once a week. So they have me as like a rotating person, which is awesome. But the audience clicked. They've got this patio where in the summer you can play outside. So it's a little bit of a smaller space. So you can actually talk to the people who are there while you're playing your songs. Yeah. And I just had people like, can you play another hour? Cause they showed up during my last set and I was like, I've already been here three hours. My voice can't take that. But like they were cheering, they were whistling. I had people coming up to me afterwards and wanting to sit down and talk to me because they were so intrigued. And that was one of the best. Um, like I always play my same, there's a song that I love um, called the only one by Melissa Etheridge. It's like a rock song. <laughs> so I always end with that song. Cause it's my favorite one to, to sing. And it shows off a lot of my vocal capabilities and my guitar. Um, and that was the best response I'd ever gotten playing that song. Like everyone was yelling the entire time that I finished out with that song. So sometimes you get experiences like that. And sometimes I'm playing at places where I'm truly just there to entertain in the background, which is a little bit, you know, sometimes it sucks. But I also know that for every time I play a gig like that, there's going to be gigs like the ones I had this weekend. Um, so I just, I'll just, you know, promote my music and give them my business cards and tell them to go stream my music. Are you allowed to sell your own merch? I mean, it's like our CDs or whatever, because that could make up your time. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of crazy that, so I, I'm still in the works of getting that because again, as an independent artist, <laughs> it's a thrilling experience. You're not only booking yourself and doing the writing and going into the studio, but you're also trying to handle the website, the marketing, the media, the merch, all that. So I'm in the process of trying to get CDs. But what blows my mind is, and I'm actually one of them because I grew up with CDs, but there's a lot more people who, especially when you're an up-and-comer and you're out playing, they want to buy CDs still, yes. which is kind of nuts to me. You know why? Because it is something, a physical connection between you two. Mm -hmm. Tony from the CD makers, he has these uh, uh, videos and he explains that still 48% of the American audience has CD players and they listen traditional ways. And uh, I love this. And also he says, that doesn't mind, you just price your whatever your CD is. You don't and say, hey, usually people pay this much for a CD, whatever you want. And people just buy it as a gift. It's I think it's much better than a t-shirt because yeah, anybody can have a t-shirt. And I, I love this whole idea. I think, uh, yeah, it's fantastic to have streaming. I just listened to you and your Nashville years, yeah. which were more punk-ish after your new album, uh, as you mm -hmm. said. Yeah, yeah. I started off as like very country, actually, um, which is so. That's actually why when I go and play gigs, I play country, I play rock, and I play pop. Now, primarily, I play rock and pop, but you know, I, I listened to every genre of music and I grew up playing multiple genres. So, um, you know, I get to scratch an itch for, I think everyone who's sitting in the bar, they might not know every song, but they'll hear one song. 
they do know. And then I feel like they're more open to listening to songs they don't know, if that makes sense. Yes. So speaking of, what about Break Your Heart? Have you ever played it live? Yeah. Um, it's obviously not the same as the the record. And I tell people that. I'm like, listen, I actually have had to give... I haven't had. I've just felt the need to lately when I play songs off of the album to give that disclaimer that most of the time when I play out, I had an album release party, which was with a full band. But when I play acoustically, because that's like primarily what I do is I play by myself, you're not going to get the same uh, effect. So I just tell people, this is like a Paramore, Ava Levine type album. However, you're getting an acoustic version of it. Um, so yeah, Break Your Hearts, though, it's really fun to play. And um, that song got re-recorded if you listen to some of my old uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of mainstream, and uh, this is the classic. In the eighties, we called this pop rock. So this was this was. Yeah. Oh yeah. Nobody no, is. I, I don't know. Is, I mean, nobody is hard rock. I don't know, but you know, nobody's standards are so difficult to. There's so many different like subgenres now. It's hard to like put yourself in one. Yeah. But I, I definitely consider myself like pop rock. So. Yeah, you, you, you are a classic That's pop rock. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I like when somebody has, for example, something on YouTube or whatever, and you go, and in live it's much more raw and more powerful, and more guitars, for example, more substance. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, what I can't stand and I, I can't appreciate, I don't see the point of that, when people are in a big stage and they have a DJ set or whatever in front of them, and they play other people's songs, and they just talk in the mic in front of people. I mean, that's not entertainment. I mean, be that real. Have some risk, as you said, that you have your guitar and your mic, and that's that's a risk. It might happen, it might not mm -hmm. happen, and it's all on you. I mean, I, I love this, because that yeah. also makes everybody more connected. Maybe this is the whole point, to have songs to be more connected. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I actually... There's pros and cons to playing with my guitar that's what i've done most of my career so far but i do like it because like you said with tracks uh it doesn't give a lot of room to improvise like you know at oh, the yeah. moment um so i sometimes will just like extend a song because the crowd is reacting well or you know whatever reason so i just will you know do another like repeat a verse or make the guitar part like the solo longer stuff like that it's i love playing with my guitar but i also love playing with a band because then i get to move around a little bit which is hard when you're playing with a guitar but yeah it's very much more intimate yeah, maybe in a way it's a, a bit easier with a band i guess because uh, then you have yeah so they they, they will i will back say you though <laughs> Yeah. Oh no. It was, it was amazing when I had my, we, we did rehearsals for three months leading up to the release party. Ironically, two of the people in the band, my guitar, my lead guitar and my bass player were both my uncles. <laughs> so, uh, music apparently runs on both sides of my family because my dad's dad, my grandpa, who also has Huntington's. So he probably unfortunately doesn't really play his guitar anymore, but he used to play in a band so he helped me when I was teaching myself guitar, like got me some books to help me and showed me a few things. And then my uncles on my mom's side of the family also play. So I got a lot of well-rounded musicians in my family. My mom's not, my dad's not, but I have extended family who are. Wow. But yeah, my uncles played in my band and it was amazing. The only thing I will say is when I'm standing and singing with my guitar, I have a lot, and I've taken vocal lessons since I was 15, so well over a decade. But when you're playing with a band, in comparison to playing on my guitar, on my guitar, I can do like anything and everything with my voice if I have a good warm up. But when I was playing with a band and I'm like walking around and I'm jumping and I'm like, you know, shaking my head and my hair and doing, I was out of breath. <laughs> and I, I consider myself a fairly like fit person, but I was like, dang. I understand now why uh, live music, when you're really doing it, like 
you're not going to sound anything yeah. <laughs> like you do in the studio. You know, Paul McCartney, no, uh, he's like more than 80, you know, yeah. and he's pushing mm-hmm. more than three hours long shows. And people say, oh, that his song, his voice is not the same. Come on, do that for three hours. Or extra rows with dancers, three and a half hours concerts. You watch them. And that man runs more in half an hour than he, I am in a week, but I am in a train, you know, and he still catches breath and so and people are whining oh i can't hear the sound. i mean you know just they don't know what they are talking about and uh, it's just crazy but yeah it's it's what i learned very early before i went on stage is that every improvisation is well practiced every movement is well practiced mm-hmm. and yeah. everything it looks yeah, improvisation it looks like a sudden movement no it is everything is well practiced if not yeah well, I felt once uh, that uh, by the third song, I would die. I felt that. I said, well, you have to stop the show because I just somehow ruined something in a stage. So, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty good. And you know what is awesome? That I don't feel from your story, from your life, any negativity, any doom of what is somehow clouding all the United States of bananas these days. And when you have this guy, Oliver Anthony, who is Christopher, by the way, and Oliver is the Oliver Anthony is the grandfather. So just like yours, one generation jump with the musical talent, and he sings in a forest with basically zero gear, and the radio, local radio station just records him. I think that's amazing, and I think that genuine, without liking or not liking the style or his words. It felt genuine and very easy to relate to because that was mm-hmm. him. And I wonder whether you felt that whether you went to a concert or yourself performing and you felt, oh my God, that connection is not there. Uh, whether I felt that. Yeah. I've, I mean, I felt that most of my experiences are <laughs> in the, you know, the bar scene and stuff like that. Um, and sometimes you feel that way. Um, like I said, you know, if I go and the crowd isn't really into listening deeper than just the music, you know, they're not listening to the story or, um, me and my originals, which is inevitable, but you know, for the most part, I think, I think when you do connect with the people, it definitely makes up for when you don't just because, everything has highs and lows even when you're playing um but like this weekend sunday um after i had that like amazing gig i had a table who was like come over we want to talk to you you know talk to you about your music and and then i ended up just somehow getting oh because they wanted to know why i moved home from nashville so i talked a bit about huntington's and like a little elevator pitch without getting too far into the weeds and immediately they're all like hugging me and one of the ladies started tearing up and these are people i literally just met um and she was like oh my gosh like you know that's so beautiful that you're so you know positive and have such a good outlook and 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 then she said the same thing she's like i i truly believe everything happens for a reason and you know you're out here doing this for a reason because you're connecting with people and impacting mm. them. And so again, that doesn't happen every time I play, but when it does on, um, you know, that occasion, it definitely that that boosts my confidence for the times where I don't feel like that connection is happening. You know, your story a bit reminds me of Jewel, who did it like 20 years ago mm. in 90s. She was offered the in, yeah. in like a she was living in a car in Los Angeles and she had this cafe stuff. Uh, she was regular there, just like yourself. And she said for $1 million recording, she said no. And she did it by herself later on. I, I love Jewel. You love? She she went country for a little bit. I, I remember yeah. listening to her. She 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 She's herself. I love that part, that, that she wrote her own stuff. And she didn't... How put it in very nice way these days? She didn't prostitute herself or whatever. I don't like when, when music is called a business. You know, I like music as an art more. And I know that the balance yeah. must be somewhere in between. But, uh, yeah. Okay, what about touring? I mean, not just because of the sword of Democles ahead of your 
had in life. Uh, but do you think, uh, is it worth, say, to tour, like 300, 200 gigs a year, moving all around, not having a real family life? Or it is better to have a couple of shows every week and just, you know, have a roadside life? Like, I don't know. Well, I really think that depends on the person. Um, uh, actually, I was in... You. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was in a I was in a music uh, mentorship group for a while that was based in Nashville. And when I first got into it, one of the first things that they said to new people was, "What is your dream life? Like, what is your version of success?" Because some people will be like, "Oh, I have to be Taylor Swift level successful," which <laughs> is really hard to do, obviously. Um, and if you set your set, not that you shouldn't set your goals high. Um, it's, is that the goal that makes sense to you? Is that what's going to make you happy? Because you said, you know, there's people who get super, you know, high up and lots of success and they're so down to earth. They're so grateful. They love it. But then, you know, he said, obviously not naming names, but he's like, but I also know people who are super successful touring all the time and they're depressed. They're taking drugs. They're not happy. Um, so he was like, you know, you have to go into this knowing what your version of success is. And if everyone tries to put themselves in a bubble of saying success is only this, like success is only Taylor Swift, which God, she's amazing. Like, <laughs> but if we all say we have to be Taylor Swift, well, we're probably going <laughs> to be really depressed. I mean, it's very difficult to do what not... she's doing. I mean, it's impossible. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Have you it, seen this so, uh, Selena Gomez uh, documentary? Oh, my mind and me. Yes. I love Selena Gomez too. And yeah. That truly yeah. that piece that there are 40 people for you in the room to support you, but still you are broken inside because the real thing is missing. You can't connect to people if you are not connected to your life. Right. Yeah. And so for me, my version of success is being able to do what I love full time. And I want to set my sights high, but at the same time, I know people in my circle who are also artists in my area and they're doing music full time, like just playing at local places or going to other States within the Midwest or, you know, down South when it makes sense. Um, and they're doing it full time and they love it. And they're happy that like, they just don't have to work a nine to five when they feel like their purpose is to be creative. So like for me, that would be a dream. That would be success, but also I'd love to go on tour. Now, um, could I be on the road 365 days a year? Probably not. Um, but actually one of my biggest inspirations, even though, um, now my, I mean, and you can be inspired by people from many different genres, but I grew up, I loved Carrie Underwood growing up mm. and she's, she's been married for like 12 years and she has two kids and you know, she's constantly, posting about you know being a mom and being an artist and you know one time she like brought one of her sons on stage and her husband was backstage supporting her and so you know she goes on stage and she's carrie underwood but then she comes home and she's still a mom she's still a wife and so like for me that's what i aspire to do is like she she to me proves that like you can have both because i feel like a lot of times in the music industry as a woman it's you can't get married you can't have kids like you lose your appeal once you get to a certain age and like you're off the market and you're a mom which is really crappy um but you know she goes out there she's <laughs> she's hot like that girl works out she takes care of herself she's an amazing vocalist she's a great mom i'm like for me you know it doesn't have to be a goal for everyone but for me like i would love to be like carrie underwood level of success She's a mom, she's a wife, and she's also a performer. Like, she has all three. That means you need to have your husband to catch up to be a good team member. <laughs> yeah. And he is. He's, uh, he's I, I, I love that he's very, um, we complement each other very well, just because he's very um, introverted. And when I say that, I don't mean it in a bad way, but I'm just super, like, my life is constantly very chaotic. I'm go, go, go. I'm very, you know, social butterfly but he will just like come and be supportive. And especially like I, fun fact for many, many years, which is actually why we didn't get married sooner. I used to do pageants. Um, so when we first started dating, 
I won a pageant and it got me to go to Miss Michigan again. And all these people were coming up and congratulating me and talking to me. And he just stood in the back and waited patiently. And then once everyone had like had their turn to come talk to me, then he came up to me and, you know, told me that he loved me and he was proud of me. And my family, like my grandma especially was like, that's a special man because like, he's willing to let you flourish and be supportive. And, um, you know, he's always standing in the wings, just waiting. Um, so yeah, we, we compliment each other really well. That's beautiful to hear. Okay. So let's have some fun. Elon <laughs> Musk is conquering the Mars. That's not a question. It's a question of time only. Yeah. Would you perform on that new planet? As a resident, I mean, it's nine months travel there, nine months travel back. So, would you be the first? Uh, I mean, you would have the whole planet audience. I don't want to. I don't want to say no. I'm a little frightened. I don't want to count it out. I'm not gonna lie though. Going anywhere like too far underground in the water in the ocean, or too far above like outer space, both of those kind of freak me out. But I don't want to say I'd be opposed to going to do a concert. If they got the if they got the transportation down, then maybe I'd be down for it. What about your go-to artist to perform together with or record with? Okay, one is Carrie Underwood, and I understand that part. And maybe a Taylor Swift if she's enough good for you mm-hmm. on that day. But uh, yeah, so who else are in the list? Like you actually, you saying that my album reminded you reminded you of Avril Lavigne is a huge compliment because I love her too. She was a lot of inspiration behind it. Um, that like early 2000s pop rock and Paramore, Avril Lavigne. Yeah, I kind of have a little bit of inspiration from all different buckets and genres. But I mean, those three play a huge role in my life for different reasons. What about Aerosmith? Some of your songs <laughs> uh, reminded me like crazy and amazing and all, all these, you know, the big threes in the 90s. Oh, well, that's a huge compliment. Oh, can you imagine yourself <laughs> in the, having a duet with Steven Tyler? I was just about to say, yeah, for sure. Steven Tyler is awesome. I remember when he he was a judge on American Idol for a hot second. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've seen a few episodes of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I have. I, I don't know if there's really anyone that, I'd be opposed to. There's so many people who've had such a great impact on music. I think that's kind of cool to like look back and see how many artists have paved ways and also, you know, honored other artists or bands, even if they don't realize it. Mm, I see. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's a very humble attitude. That's for sure. Uh, I mean, to, to see that it's not about uh, your prerogative that who, with whom to play with or sing with, but it's life gives you the blessing so let's share it with others for others and yeah. for yourself okay can we put together a festival like that would be the shelby lens feel good bless your life festival it's three days long so who would perform oh my goodness i love that question oh um so i have a lot of bands that i actually found on Spotify of all places, you know, sometimes it works out that way with the playlists and the recommendations. Um, but there's a band that, uh, it's called, this is loveless. And they're very, their, their music's even a little bit like harder than mine as far as it's like punk rockish, but I love their music so much. Um, I'd love for them to play. I've actually been dying to see them play. Um, and they're still up and coming. They just got signed to a label, but every time they've played i've not been able to go um they, like they just played at um oh my gosh i always forget the one in chicago i think it's Lollapalooza. they just played there this past month and i couldn't go um but i love them i would love for them to come i also love another up-and-coming band that's kind of like the same genre and they're called yours truly also found them on spotify um there though i didn't realize this when i started listening to them because most of the time. I mean, sometimes you can tell, but accents don't always come through in music. So I found out after the fact, I went to look at their tour dates on their website. This was probably like two years ago now. And I realized that they're based in London. Um, That's a good British. place. And I was like, 
oh my god no it's great but i was like oh well i'm not gonna be able to see them tour anytime soon if they're doing it in the uk um so that would be awesome because I haven't actually seen them perform yet. And then, of course, I'd have to bring the people that we just talked about who've played a really integral part in my music, like Avril, Taylor. Oh, my gosh, Taylor Swift. Well, that's <laughs> impossible. I mean, I, I mean, and she's off the list. I mean, oh, she, you can't. In a, in, a, in, a, in a perfect world, I oh, would yeah. for Taylor oh, Swift to yeah. be there. And only just a <laughs> guitar and the seat, yeah. <laughs> In a realistic world, I know that's not. You know who does this? Rolling Stones, uh, you know, the band Rolling Stones does this. They go for a pub for 300 people. Even Paul McCartney does this time to time. So I I appreciate this. This is amazing. And it's too bad for the rest of the 200,000 people outside of those pubs and restaurants. But it's it's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. Maybe you will have a show. So bless your life festival now. <laughs> I would love that. I would love to do shows that are um, outside of the state of Michigan and a little more music focused um, rather than just, you know, bar music. But yeah, we'll see where that goes. That would be really cool. Yeah. Now, before we wrap up, what is in your diet? What you could recommend to others? It's obviously not a health channel. And uh, what uh, workout do you do if you do out? Or you your workout is solely to listen to the Arnold Schwarzenegger podcast, and that's already a workout. <laughs> uh, so. Oh, my gosh, that's funny. I do love Arnold Schwarzenegger, though. Uh, Northern naysayers. And, yeah, I love his. Oh, he his, has this podcast now. Yeah, I didn't know he had a podcast. I've yeah, listened to a lot of his, it's like, called Pump motivational Club. stuff. Pump club. It's like six minutes every day. Now I've got a new podcast. I need to start following. That's so funny. Um, so I actually got into weight training back in high school about like 12 years ago. And part of that was because I did competitive cheerleading for many years. And so I was a base, which means that me and another girl were throwing our flyer in the air. So you need to have some muscles for that. So I started weight training and it was just something that I've incorporated into my life ever since. Um, and I also try to put in some cardio because singing, you got to have some cardio. And some stamina. Oh, you so you I like, up, yeah. yeah, I like spinning like for cardio. I'm, you're not going to find me running. I tried to run a half marathon. I trained. This is when I was still living in Nashville and they have one there every year. My mom and I trained. I, I told myself if I trained for a half marathon and I still didn't like running after I like gave it a try, then I would like not try and force myself to like running. I didn't like it. <laughs> so I'm not a runner. Um, if I'm going to do cardio, it's going to be boxing. I actually do like boxing or it's going to be spinning, like doing spin classes. And then I like weight training just because it, you know, the mind muscle connection and It's actually good because, you know, especially with Huntington's, they tell people that if you can, you know, build up your muscle mind connection and build up endurance and things like that, um, not even just to hopefully prolong disease onset, just as like a normal human being, it's good, you know, good traits to have for your body. Um, and then for diet, honestly, when I have some type of like, really healthy smoothie every day that probably sounds like really minimal but i like to throw in like you know kale and spinach and veggies and some powders like into the smoothie every day just because even if i know that the rest of the day i'm i might not get all the nutrients i need at least i've had like one really good nutrient dense meal um but i'm not picky i literally will eat just about anything so okay. who, you know, who is cooking at yours your husband oh gosh but honestly he did not marry me for my cooking skills <laughs> <laughs> but my problem is i i try to follow some recipes that are healthy that i've um you know recently found and liked but my problem is the time it takes oh cook. yeah it takes time. um it takes a lot of time and i typically don't have it so um yeah he did not he knew when we started dating that <laughs> my cooking was subpar. It's okay. It's good enough to feed us, you know, but hopefully it'll evolve. Oh, yeah, of course, especially when you have the children. But there are tricks, you know, uh-huh. that when you learn that the processes are not after each other, but, you know, why you do the laundry, you can have the 
potatoes cooked, you know, and then you just let them yeah. cool, and the next day you just peel them and you smash them. So like always, easily. And you know what is very? I don't want to give you unwanted advice, but I know that for fact that the less is better unless it is a soup. Good soup is like eight hours, but it takes time. So. <laughs> that's what a that's what a crock pot's for, right? You just mm. set it and forget it for a bit. People do binge watching or whatever. Yeah, that Netflix, man, that gets you. Gets you if you get on something really good. If you really want something, you have to find different sources. To be honest, that's the beast of streaming now, is because everyone, every you know, company wants their own service now. So all of the shows that Netflix used to have are now back with the people who created the shows or have the rights to the shows. So yeah, you basically got to pay for every single streaming service now. Okay. So um, before we wrap up this one, do you happen to have any message to your sympathizers, fans, or next time uh, listeners at your bar? Yeah. Um, so think of it as a time capsule. <laughs> I'll piggyback on something I mentioned earlier, which is, a song I wrote called Champion and I wrote that in Nashville with one of my friends who also went to Belmont and I recorded a version of it on my second EP Unbroken so it got a re-recording recently I don't know when I'm gonna release it it's definitely more break your heart vibes now it's like pure rock where before it was like a country rock with poor quality <laughs> but anyway I wrote this song because I I like to obviously with like Peyton song and stuff like that, I like to put real life things or art that I appreciate and take inspiration from it and put it into my own. So that song champion was inspired by the Rocky movies because they're one of my favorite film franchises. And um, my mom actually introduced them to me and I wanted to write something that uplifted people when they needed it, because I always feel uplifted when I watch Rocky and I hear him talking about, you know, getting up when you've been knocked down and you see him going through all these trials and tribulations. So we wrote this song, I recorded it. And then after that, like immediately was when turmoil hit, the Huntington's started all the diagnoses in my family. So I actually originally wrote it for just like a general well-rounded song for other people and then I ended up like really leaning into the message which the song highly emphasizes like a lot of Rocky's famous quote it's not about how hard you hit but about how hard you can get hit keep getting up and fighting back life isn't always rainbows and sunshine and that's something that to my core I still fully believe to this day which is why I have so much love for that song and it also inspired my nonprofit, which is called Champions for HD for Huntington's disease. Um, but it's just, it's a beautiful reminder every time I listen to it or every time I watch a Rocky movie that life will knock you down to your knees. Like that's a part of it, unfortunately. But you have to keep fighting, even if that's just little baby steps every day. Sit in the lows, experience them, but don't let them keep you there um because you know there's so much more on the other side even when it doesn't feel like it and once you get there it's it's a beautiful process so life there's more to life than your lowest points mm. that's beautiful this should be the subtitle of this today conversation <laughs> really honest. actually he's he's kind of cut off but I've got a Rocky poster literally right behind me. Oh, I see. <laughs> I Every day I have to like see it and have that inspiration. You know what is interesting? That in the 80s I, I was pretty much uh, a Schwarzenegger fan in the 90s. And uh, lately, as I realized, he started to admit that he was a jerk uh, for many ways. And, and uh, Stallone was the real cool guy, you know? despite everything. And both of them are amazing because they have, you know, they can't read, they can't speak, they can't, they, they have every mm -hmm. disadvantages and they came from basically an impossible situation and uh, they have the outlet. Stalin has been painting for 40 years. He has, you know, exhibitions, not the bad ones. And um, mm -hmm. still trying to be funny. I, I love this. And they try their own versions and uh, yeah, I just pretty much like, I, I kind of, 
miss the next generation after them, you know, who are like this much willing to do something beyond themselves. But uh, it's like, yeah. Okay. Um, yes, Rocky is uh, absolutely is a good story. <laughs> but someone has said it's not I a boxing it. movie. Yeah. It's a love story. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's an inspiring story. And my goal is now I don't want to I'm going to knock on my wooden desk because I don't want to wish this upon him. But Mr. Stallone is in his 70s. And I would love to meet him. Because I want to tell him how much he's inspired me. And I started my first tattoo was actually a Bible verse, literally, like as soon as I got diagnosed i went and got a tattoo with my mom because i was like life is short i've always wanted one but i've been too chicken let's do it so every tattoo i get is meaningful um my sisters and i got one for our sister who passed away um it says brie on it so my my only other tattoo that i want that i have not gotten is i want sylvester stallone to write champion in his handwriting and then i want to get it tatted so I'm trying so hard to like manifest and put it out there because at some point, hopefully, someone will be like, "I know a guy who knows a guy." <laughs> well, now this will be an interesting uh, thing for this uh, word, these words, these lines to get to him. So, what? <laughs> who knows? He might. He knows how to handle. Who knows? He knows how I to handle YouTube. <laughs> He's around. Yeah. Okay, so that was brilliant, beautiful. I can uh, recommend to anybody to listen to your teenage diary. I almost the teenage dreams, but it's it. pretty good. And yes, of obviously we are looking forward to the new music video and everything else that is coming out. Thank you. Yes, I'm excited too. I appreciate the support and all the good questions. These really got me thinking talked about mars we talked about a shelby festival all great <laughs> Baby, it's been the best thing Born and Andy a Human Show, presented by two purple rabbits from behind Jupiter in a hidden moon at a secret base in an undisclosed location.